Welcome to Sports Beat Live, the post-game edition from Week 14, where the Raiders suffered a serious beatdown by the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs emerged victorious, 48 to nine. I am joined by my esteemed colleagues, Sam McDowell. How you doing, man? Doing good, Harvey. How you doing, buddy? Hey, I, I hope I'm doing well enough where the, uh, my audio issues will work. No more audio issues, right? That's what we're hoping for. And we have our special guest here, Lila Bromberg, who covers the University of Missouri for the Kansas City Star. She joined us uh, this week up in the press box to help us with our coverage. Lila, how are you? I'm good. I'm happy to be joining you guys. Thanks for having me. No problem. Sam, I don't know if you noticed, but I was dancing a little bit, you know, because our pregame music tends to get my, my juices flowing. But I will say I was not dancing on the Chiefs logo, you know, unlike a certain team. Uh, and, you know, some of the players actually addressed that uh, after the game. How much of an impact did that have in motivating the Chiefs in this win, in your opinion? How many exercises did you go through, Harvey, before you came up with that line? <laughs> None. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was surprised uh, by just how much that ticked them off. You know, a lot of times after press conferences, and I was actually explaining this to Lila, and we'll have her get more into it because she wrote about it, that typically we see the Chiefs downplay all this sort of thing. Um, we did, just to kind of explain the situation, you know, I, I was sitting in my seat in the press box, and I noticed that the Raiders, you know, every team goes through their pregame routine, and usually there's a player that sort of gives the last pregame speech. We see Patrick Mahomes do it. We see Tyron Matthew do it. Well, when the Raiders did it, the Chiefs had already left the field for the locker room before the game. And as the Raiders start to go to their locker room, they're at about the 20, 25-yard line. They move to near midfield, about the 45, close to the 50-yard line. Uh, a couple players were waving their teammates over and did their pregame antics there. So it's not extra antics they did. It's the location of them. And it's just sort of this unwritten rule in football about the logo and your team's logo. Like I said, I'll let Lila kind of take it over from here. But usually we see the Chiefs downplay this stuff. So the significance of these comments – I thought just really illust illustrated that this really pissed them off. Every player we talked to mentioned it post-game. Um, even, you know, I think when Josh Gordon wasn't necessarily asked about it, uh, hinted at it. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes even said after a game, you know, you don't want people coming into your stadium and trying to disrespect things that you built. Um, Tyron Matthew had a comment about that's not something that champions do. Uh, so it was really interesting to see those comments about that and also hinting a little bit at, Last season, uh, the Raiders taking the victory lap after beating the Chiefs here. It seems like that was something that was also on their mind as well. Yeah, and that's a good point because Mahomes was actually asked about that question. That that story came from an NFL Network reporter, James Palmer, who tweeted out that they, you know, Mahomes brought that up in the tunnel. But but Vahe, welcome to Vahe Gregorian, who just joined us. We're we're discussing some of the pregame antics from the Raiders. You know, dancing on the logo. Uh, how surprised are you a guy like Mahomes, you know, one of the, the NFL's ultimate competitors is using that as, as fuel, even though he downplayed it. But, you know, the NFL Network reported that he was bringing it up in the tunnel. Yeah, it's funny. You know, Patrick will do things like the counting stuff. Uh, and he'll kind of bring stuff up, I suppose, a little more subtly than he really lived it. <laughs> um, I think that's been a little tendency of his. I think he's downplayed some of that stuff when he's been asked to talk about it. Um, I think the best comments, though, at Lila pointed out, Josh Gordon bringing it up without without even uh, being asked about it and just to sort of drop the mic, you know, uh, way he suggested it might have been uh, uh, just desserts for the Raiders was was pretty good. 
And I really liked Tyron's line about, you know, champions, champions don't do that. Um, so I, I thought they were, they pretty effectively addressed it without really saying anything inflammatory. They just kind of made the point. Yeah. And you know what, and Matthew's comments about champions don't have to do that. He's dead on, you know, especially if you're a six and seven team now following the thumping at the hands of the Chiefs, you, you have no business taking any more bus rides or dancing on team logos. Put it, let's put this in perspective. The Chiefs and Raiders have faced twice this year. The Chiefs have outscored them 89 to 23. Sam, you, you write a lot about Patrick Mahomes. You, you, you kind of like have a, a way of knowing what he thinks and how he's thinking. What is it about this matchup? It's, it's, the Raiders seem to be the best medicine for Patrick Mahomes. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think we all write a lot about Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, he's uh, today they got back to the things we saw in back, you know, in 18, 19 and 20. And I don't just mean the final score. They were doing the, the first of all, they caught the football. Uh, you know, it was interesting that Andy Reid mentioned that the drops were a problem last week. And I tried pulling teeth to get him to talk about during the week, how big of a, problem the drops were where now he acknowledged that hey if they'd only caught the football last week maybe last week turns out like this week did I, I think he's still a little bit off on that but the other things that they did is they got more guys involved Herbie, you wrote this week that McCall Hardman snaps had the last three or four weeks he comes in makes a, a four or four yard catch on the left side and I, I thought Patrick Holmes had a great description of what happened on that play the cornerback fell down and McCall Hardman and Patrick Holmes have to be on the same page We've heard a lot of that about these guys not being on the same page at times this year, especially over McCole Hardman's career. And they both decide to go deep, and that's not what the route intended for. It intended to be a stop route. And Mahomes sees that Hardman's going deep. He finds him there for a 44-yard gain. And the other guy that got involved for the first time this year is Josh Gordon. And so, you know, Travis Kelsey only had 27 yards today. Tyreek Hill made some plays. It wasn't one of his more spectacular days. But they had other guys that were part of the game plan and executed their part of the game plan. So that's why I say, you know, you're going to point to the final score and for good reason. But there's other elements of this offense that I thought maybe those are elements that can be long lasting. I, I think when they placed when they faced the Raiders, you always seem to see a complete game from the Chiefs. You know, defense, special teams, and even offense. Vahe, I know you you're writing a column, and I'm I'm going to tease it here for you, but. It, it, we're reaching the point of the season now where we're starting to see a complete Chiefs team. What were your thoughts on that? Well, there's a whole bunch of things, but the thing that let's remember that's become kind of the constant all of a sudden is it, the defense is kind of something you can count on. I mean, you know, breaking down the numbers, there's a couple of little fun things with the numbers on the defense. You know, they gave up 27 points in the first half against Tennessee now they've given up 27 points in the last three games total. And also uh, the sort of demarcation point of Tennessee, at that point they'd given up 206 points through seven games. They've given up 65 points in the last six games. That's a pretty dramatic difference. Um, but, but, but that doesn't do enough for people, right? Everybody's upset because they're not uh, getting the performance you want to see out of the offense and, and, you know, we worry what that might mean later while they're still winning. And then today they they kind of kick it into gear with the offense. There's a little caveat here that the only teams they've really had these great eruptions against uh, over the last six, seven weeks have been the Raiders. <laughs> so I think that sets us up a little bit for 
believing in where they're heading and that they're more than just a team finding a way that they now kind of have multiple ways to win and they are playing complementary football. Of course, the greatest complementary football is when you're getting stuff that's so obvious, like the defense scoring a touchdown and things like that. But more to the point, they know they can uh, riff off of each other. So we're going to get a really big test on Thursday of what, what this is really about. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I suppose we should let them enjoy the moment because this is a, this is a pretty good surge they're on. I correctly mentioned that, you know, these last few wins people have been talking about in a manner that doesn't really feel like wins because of the manner in which they're winning. It's, we haven't seen the offense that we've seen. That's the chiefs too. That's not just the outside noise. I didn't, and I put this in my story tonight because I thought it was such a transformation. But these post games that we've gone into have been five. The, you know, they've won six straight. The previous five wins and four of those, half of the comments have been about what's not going right because there's been a lot. And, you know, because he's the play caller, Andy Reid takes a lot of questions about it because he's the quarterback. Patrick Mahomes takes a lot of questions about it. And the, the post games have been, you know, sort of gloom and doom in that manner. And today it was as loose as we've seen those two, especially we saw them in a moment together that was pretty funny. And it was indicative of the fact that, you know, for weeks Mahomes has been talking about how, you know, it feels a heck of a lot better to not play all that well and still win because he's been parts of teams, and we know 2018, where he played really well and still lost. Well, those aren't the only two options. And today we saw the third option. You can play well and win. And it's the first time in about seven weeks we've seen that happen. And we saw, because of it, just a much looser group of guys that came through to that uh, lectern today, as, as Bahe pointed out. Not the podium. <laughs> it is a lectern. <laughs> I need to give credit where credit's due. I think I said podium in the tweet, and I actually got tweeted at from imalectern.com or whatever the, the Twitter site is. I appreciate such meticulous uh, love of the language. It's also in the AP style book. I'm a big fan of that Twitter. They've tweeted at me. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners. Unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Hey, Lila, the question I'm going to ask Sam, and I'm going to get to you because I know you wrote about this player, but Sam, we just saw uh, a comment a pop-up on the stream. The kingdom is with you. Legereus Sneed, sorry for your loss. Andy Reid and all the players addressed it as well. Uh, 
You've been on top of this story since uh, actually you're the one who actually broke it. What is going on with Legereus Sneed and, and why did he miss today's game? Yeah, his, his brother passed away. Um, he was stabbed and killed in an incident Friday night back in their hometown in Minden, Louisiana. So Legereus Sneed is still in Minden now. Um, you know, the, uh, the Chiefs helped get him there on a private jet on Saturday. Um, and he's, he's with family. I mean, you know, the story that I explored last month with Legereus got into just how big of a deal TQ Harrison was in his life. He wasn't just a brother. He served as a little bit of a father, even mother figure for him for the first four or five years of his life while both his parents were in jail. Um, so it is a significant relationship. And, and the Chiefs spoke, you know, to a person that came up to the podium, especially the defensive backs. And we got to talk to two of them today with Tyron Matthew and Mike Hughes. Um, just how big of a, of a deal Legereus Sneed is a teammate to them, what he means to that group. And uh, certainly you could you could tell by their comments that, that Legereus was was frequently on their mind today. Yeah, and then not having Sneed in the lineup today against the Raiders meant that they had to find a replacement. And, and boy, did they find a replacement. Obviously, he's not Legereus Sneed, but for at least one game, Cornerback Mike Hughes turned in a tremendous performance. Scooped up fumble caused by Jaron Reed. Hughes got the Chiefs on the scoreboard first with uh, the 23-yard return for a touchdown. Uh, two forced fumbles. The, the guy has a mean right cross. I mean, we saw him punch the football out. Uh, and, and as Andy Reed alluded to, they, they turned four of those five turnovers that they got today against the Raiders into 28 points. That's how dominant this defense has, was today. Vahe, uh, you know, you, I know you've written a lot and we've all written a lot about the defense, but is, is this the tip of the iceberg for this defense or is there still more to come? Well, it's kind of interesting. We're, we're talking about how offensively they got more guys involved. I feel like we're saying more and more names on defense now all the time. That's a good point. We went, you know, a long part of the season not not hearing Jaron Reed's uh, name very much. And, and I, I didn't really look at, you know, any numbers of his from the rest of the game, but he figured in a couple of really significant plays. Frank Clark has really become a factor again. I think, I'm not sure you guys can correct me on this, but he might be playing the best regular season football he's played for the Chiefs. You know, you can't talk about the defense now without talking about Melvin Ingram anytime. I mean, even he's a classic case of a guy who, even when it doesn't show up in the stats, you can see how he blows up plays and changes everything. And I think, you know, we've heard more than once from Andy Reid and, and I think probably other guys on the defense about the difference he's kind of made in the room, the veteran voice, not over, not overplaying his hand, just being being who he, he can be. And um, so all that that I think is is sort of at play in what you're asking, Herbie. What, what impressed you about this defensive performance today, Sam? It, it's funny how luck changes in the NFL and how quickly it can change and how how significantly it can change. Eric Bieniemy talks a lot about creating your own luck. And I know I'm using the offensive coordinator to use to talk about the defense, but the, there were four fumbles and five fumbles in today's game. The Chiefs recovered all five, and it's long been thought that the way the ball bounces after a fumble, there's a lot of luck involved in that. You know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had a, had a fumble today on a, on a snap. Those aren't a lot that you get back when they go three yards in front of you, but he somehow rolls right along with it. All four fumbles they force, they pick up. Um, so they are creating their own luck in that sense. That's what that comment always means. So I think that the, the, the first stage of the defense was the points allowed category. 
improved significantly in that, as Vahe pointed out. And I think the pass rushes has played the biggest part in that, but the secondary has been good. Now they've moved on to this next stage of forcing turnovers. You know, it's five straight games that they've forced at least two turnovers and five today. We were talking about turnovers for the first month of the five, six weeks of the season for an entirely different reason. And as cliche as it sounds, we've seen the effects of turnovers on a football game and on wins and losses. And I know everyone, you know, win the turnover battle and win the game. You know, I'd like to go back, you know, game by game and see often that's been true because during this six game win streak, oh, by the way, it just so happens that Chiefs are forcing turnovers and not turning it over nearly as often. Just about the luck. You know, you alluded to that, Sam, with uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And we all know that that ball could have bounced differently in Baltimore, that that fumble. And just that switches a lot of things about the season, I think, at least in perception. I heard a great line once. I think it was a streetcar named Desire. Part of part of luck is thinking you're lucky. And I think the Chiefs are now at a, a phase where kind of the, whatever you want to call it, the mojo, the swagger is back. It, they're going to will themselves to some luck in, in a certain way. One thing that really stands out to me, and Sam mentioned the points allowed, this is three straight games in the National Football League where the Chiefs have not allowed an opponent to score 10 points. It's, it's three straight games of nine points. And one of those teams, you know, people like, it, how rare is this? It's very rare. This, this is the NFL where, where you know, Andy Reid always talks about parity, but the thing that jumps out to me is the Cowboys game. You know, the Cowboys came into this arrowhead as the number one offense, and the Chiefs pretty much shut them down. Lala, I'm going to kick it back to you because uh, you were in Mike Hughes's press conference or news conference. Uh, what stood out to you about what he said in there? Yeah, I think, you know, what stood out to me, and I think uh, Sam hit on this as well, is just kind of really what everyone said about, you know, starting in that spot for Snead um, and really the, the whole defense wanting to play for Snead. That was something that, that definitely stood out for me. Um, I, I also think kind of the, the question you asked was one of my favorites, uh, asking about whether he uh, took boxing lessons or punched that ball out. Um, and I just think that kind of aggressive play from him, um, you know, something we haven't necessarily seen in recent games. And um, so it was really cool to kind of be able to see that today. Well, this is your first time covering the Chiefs. You know, you, normally you're in Columbia covering the Missouri Tigers. What, what was your biggest takeaway today uh, up here in the Arrowhead press box? Honestly, it may have been just that the food was a lot better. That was like, <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was a great takeaway for today. We've been having some uh, mystery meets back at uh, Faroe Field. But I, I think just being able to be in this environment and to, uh, you know, see the fans um, and just see kind of how electric this building was. Um, we mentioned before fans booing when the Raiders were on that logo pregame and, um just just the energy throughout the stadium, I think, was really cool to see. And I think you could even feel that just being in the press box, which I didn't necessarily expect. You can't always feel that when you're in a press box. Um, so that definitely kind of stood out with something I could feel that uh, you don't necessarily always get. Before we move forward here, we're going to take one last look back at this Raiders game. Uh, and I'm going to ask this question for the three of you. Vahe, who was your MVP of today's win and why? Boy, that could go so many different ways. You know, it. It would be easy to just say Mike Hughes right from the start. You know, I think it was the second touchdown when Sam McDowell and I looked at each other and supposed the game was about over just because of the way it was feeling. But really, the first touchdown kind of said, uh, you know, this is a team that Chiefs beat 41 to 14 last time they played, and they just give you seven points to start it off. 
so you know if you if you spread the wealth a little bit though i i think uh um i'm gonna go old school and say patrick mahomes this was uh 20 out of 24 the type of game that that uh he can have pretty easily when there's not a lot of drops i think but i think he was a little sharper he had a couple plays too that um we've not seen him complete a lot this year the longer balls uh obviously the one we spoke about earlier with the McCole Hardman and there was something kind of um, maybe particularly significant about that play because of the, the times Patrick and McCole have not been on the same page generally because McCole maybe is in the wrong book. I, I think though that you, you couldn't go wrong pointing to Patrick. There's probably six other guys I'm not thinking of, but the, those two are the ones that stood out to me. Same question, Mac. Just take them all, Bob. Hey, I mean, just 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 list them all. You know, there, we've got three other people on this that have to know the name as well. I'm just hoping to block you on whatever you were going to say. Well, I'm actually going to go with Tyron Matthew. Um, he was involved in two of the turnovers, but uh, I think the main thing is, you know, so Mike Hughes comes in for Lejarius Sneed in their base defense, but the biggest adjustment in their nickel defense is Tyron Matthew's got to come down and play the slot. And he finds out at 5 a.m. Saturday morning that that's going to be his assignment on Sunday. And he hasn't played the slot all year. We saw him in 2019 play that quite a bit. Early in his career, that's what he came up as with the Arizona Cardinals. And so the fact that he was that good today and involved in two turnovers, like I said, he picks off the pass, the, the bobbled pass, and, and he recovers the fumble. Um, so I think Tyron Matthews is the answer. What about you, Lila? You were over two, in other words, Vahe. Tyron Matthew was the guy. <laughs> yeah, you guys uh, took some line. I mean, I think, you know, he was, like we said, was kind of the obvious one. And you guys kind of mentioned some of those obvious ones. I think if we're talking about someone who didn't necessarily like have a huge impact in terms of stats, but I know, you know, Herbie had said something to me when we saw, you know, some of his plays and that had stood out a lot was just Melvin Ingram, especially in that um, first quarter with just, you know, some of the instances with him affecting the pass rush. And I think if you really look at this recent stretch for the team, just kind of his impact since that trade um, can really be pointed to as well. Vahe actually stole mine, and then, and then Sam took my next one I was going to go to, Matthew. But I, I'm going to say Frank Clark, okay? The Chiefs totaled four sacks, 11 quarterback hits. Andy Reid said Derek Carr never got comfortable in the pocket. And a lot of that, Clark led that group there with four quarterback hits. And I agree with Vahe said earlier. He is playing the best football of this season. To Sam's point about Matthew, I think a lot of that also had to do with Rashad Fenton, who was active, but I don't think he saw a lot of snaps, and that leads us into the following week. I think uh, the Chiefs, when they play the Chargers here on a short week, they probably want to get everybody healthy, and that's the game that we're going to be taking a hard look at next week. I think, uh, you know, the Chiefs, we knew they were going to win this game. This was a game they should have won on paper anyway. But the Chargers are going to be a really good test here in a few days. What do you think, Vi? You know, the first thing I think about when I think about the Chargers is they they are a potent team, but also that was a Chiefs team that had four turnovers. And, you know, that game was a couple plays from from going the other way, even even though Chargers deserved it. Uh, Chiefs Chiefs earned the loss. So I I think this will be a uh, a really good test for the Chiefs, but I do think the Chiefs are a better team. I think they need to prove that, though, with this game. And, and and look, it's funny. They've had this great streak they've been on, but lose to the Chargers, and it kind of throws everything back into a little bit of a tizzy in terms of, um, you know, just where they're going to land with the with the, the final um, 
final run of the season. And, and now they're, I, I didn't look at the latest numbers, but they're, are they third in the race for the uh, top seed? Or they're, they're right there if they keep winning, but any one loss could just throw them out of that possibility. And maybe they won't, they won't require that, but um, I think to really be sold on the chiefs. Now you need to see them cement, cement the feeling with the win in, in Los Angeles. And the final question to Sam McDowell here, Sam, what kind of motivation, not motivation, but what kind of uh, impact does a win like this have for the Chiefs going into an ASC divisional game that, that, that probably is going to determine whether the Chiefs are going to win their sixth consecutive AFC uh, title, AFC West title? Yeah, I think my answer to that question would have been different three weeks ago than it is now because I think we all thought coming away from Las Vegas that this team was going to take off. And the next two weeks, the offense sputtered again. And so this is the same opponent that that happened against, you know, in Las Vegas against the Raiders. And so we need to see it a second straight week before we believe that the Chiefs will hit their ceiling consistently, that they'll do it when the games matter the most in late January. And this is the time where I think it's their biggest test. I think it's the, the toughest game left on their schedule. I've been saying that for two months. It's on a short week. you got to travel across two time zones. And it's for first place in the AFC West. And the Chargers have been trying to get here for years and years and years. So you know they're going to be psyched for this game. I expect a lot of Chiefs fans are going to make the trip out to L.A. Um, but in terms of the impact, I go back to what I, what I said at the top. I, I don't think all that much because the evidence has shown us over the last month that Chiefs' performances has, have not carried over from week to week like you might expect. And something like this, they could be laser-focused, as Andy Reid likes to say. And with that, hey guys, thank you for joining us. Uh, Sam McDowell, Lala Bromberg, and columnist, super columnist, Vahe Gregorian, producer Beth Welsh, thank you for producing the show. We will see you hopefully sometime next week. Guys, don't go out there on the field and dance in the logo or get in your cars and drive around Arrowhead Stadium. <laughs> <laughs>